Well, good morning for those that are joining us. For the first time, we're going through our sermon series called Foundations, and we're really looking, taking the time to look at what is the foundations of the church? What did the early church do? And to go back to that place of what did Jesus set as he left and said, the church is now yours to continue. That the church is Jesus' legacy on earth. And so we're going back to those places of, of discovering what was the early church like and what do we do now as a church and what has changed, but what is God calling us back to? And so that's our sermon series that we're going through. And last week we talked about how do we get into the word of God? What, what's the importance of getting into the word of God? The week before that, we talked about prayer and why do we have to have a solid prayer life. Today, we're going to talk about something that's a little bit more practical. Because the reality is that we live in a world that is getting more and more dangerous. Or actually, it feels more dangerous. It's harder to trust. Things don't really seem as they should. Growing up, I'm sure a a lot of my perspective had to do with the fact that I was just young and naive. But... I don't remember growing up living with such fear and mistrust as I do today. Also, it feels like everywhere I look that there's something that is going wrong with this world. Whether it's governments being overturned, corruptions causing people to be displaced, rights being infringed, terrorist groups killing and kidnapping, people all around the world looking for safety and refuge and refugees with nowhere to go or no home, no countries that are willing to help. I myself am a son of a refugee. My mom was one of the boat people that fled Vietnam in the mid-70s after the Vietnam War. As the communist regime came into power, being of Chinese heritage, my mom's family fled. As people of Chinese heritage were often arrested, executed, or sent into labor camps. So as my mom's family secretly, one by one, left Vietnam by boat. They left leaving everything behind. I still have uncles where they have left and they still do not and are not willing to talk about their experience when they fled because it was so traumatic for them. My mom left with nothing but the clothes on her back and she got onto a boat And that boat took her to Malaysia. And on the coast of Malaysia, her boat was sunk just so that they could claim for safety. So that the Malaysian government had to come and take them. Because if they didn't sink their boat, their boat would have been just left out there floating. She got into a refugee camp, stayed there for eight months. And as the Canadian government started opening doors for refugees, my mom had the privilege of being able to come to Canada. What was my mom's family looking for? They were looking to survive. They were looking for safety. They were looking for a chance to live life, to escape oppression, and to hope for something better. In Psalms 41.6, it says this. It says, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Today, we're going to look at how, what that means. For God to be our refuge... But how that translates to what the church is supposed to do. So let's pray. Father God, we just thank you. 
We thank you for your word. We thank you for who you are. We thank you that there is always hope in places where we don't see hope and that there is always help in places where we don't see help. So, Father God, may we come towards you today and may we rest in this place knowing that you are first and foremost our God. So, Lord, as we, as we sit, as we listen, may your spirit fall on our hearts. May your spirit bring just your heart and your will for your church so that we could live out what it means to be on earth as it is in heaven. So thank you, and we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. There's three things that this, this verse highlights for us. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Refuge, strength, and help. These are the three things that we see um, when it comes to who God is. This, this, this describes the, the character of, of God. These three things are a reminder for us that we are not alone. In Proverbs 18.10 it says that this, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run to it and are safe. David says that the Lord is my rock and my fortress. David talks about how God is his shield and his stronghold. What all of this says to us, it says that God says that when you are in trouble, come to me. That this is a reminder to us that we are not alone. Our natural instincts as people when we are in trouble is to hide, to run away. But God says, don't run away, come to me. Let me be your safety. Let me be your stronghold, your shield. Don't try to fix it yourself or hide from what is coming against you. Come to me. I have a four-year-old. His name is Judah. And anytime he's in trouble, he has one place that he goes to. That's mom. It's not me. It's mom. It's always mom. 100% of the time, anytime he feels either anxious, anytime he feels that he's in trouble, that he's done something wrong, anytime he gets, um, that he feels like mm, something doesn't feel right, his place of safety is always mom. It doesn't matter even if he's getting in trouble from mom, and mom is the one that is reprimanding him for his actions, he still looks at his mom and he's like, mommy, I need a hug. That's my son. He knows that there's one person that he could always run to for safety. He knows that there's always one thing that he could go to to get that comfort, to get that place of assurance of who he is, to feel loved, to feel safe, to feel like he is going to be taken care of. And that place is mom. That's how God wants us to be with him. God wants us to be able to run to him in that same, same way. That no matter what we're going through, no matter what trial, what trouble that we are seeing, he's like, I am your what? Refuge. That I am going to be there for you. That I am going to be your safe place. That God says, I am your shelter. I am your hope. I am your trust. The idea of refuge is the aspect of safety. The idea of refuge is the aspect of salvation. It's that I am in a safe place and I could run to this place because I know I will be taken care of. Secondly, God says that he is our strength. 
He is our power, our might, our boldness. What comes with trial and trouble and tribulation is that our strength usually is taken away from us. We're stressed, we're strained, we're overwhelmed with what's coming, coming after us. And oftentimes in these times, we feel like we're hopeless. But God says that I am your strength, that I will give you power, that I will give you might, and I will give you boldness. In Isaiah 40, it says this. He says that he will give power to the weak, and those who have no might, he will increase strength. Those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagle, and they shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not be faint. That's what God wants to give us. He wants to strengthen us. He says, come to me, okay? When you need to feel safe, when you feel like you're in trouble, come to me. I will be your refuge. But not only will I be your refuge, I will give you the strength to go through what you're going to go through. I'm going to give you the power. I'm going to give you the will. I'm going to give you the boldness to stand firm in that place. And last, God says that I am going to be what? Your helper. That God gives his people help. Help means that I'm going to assist you. It doesn't mean I'm going to do it for you. Because oftentimes people think that, oh, I need help. My son, that's exactly what he thinks. Dad, I need help. Okay, I'm going to come help you. Okay, you do it. (laughs) That's not what help is. Help is me assisting you in doing it. Not me doing it for you. But he's like, no, I need help. I'm like, okay, I'll help you. But he's like, okay, just, just do it. Just fix it and make it fine. And that's, that the reality is sometimes when we call to God for help, that's what we're expecting. Right? Where we say, God, help. And we just expect God to just take care of it. But God's like, no, I'm, my help is that I'm going to assist you through it. Come to me for safety. Come to me. I will give you the strength to do it, the ability to do it, and then I will help you go through it. Because God says it's important for you to go through it. Just like as a parent, we feel like it's important for our children to figure things out. That we don't just do everything for them because they'll never learn. You're going to have an 18-year-old that still needs you to put their diapers on for them. You know what I mean? I mean, that's exaggerating, of course. Nobody does that. But that's what I'm talking about. The help that God gives is an assistant in helping us go through tribulation, helping us go through trials, and helping us go through trouble. So this is the character of God. God says, I am your refuge, I am your strength, and I am your help. Okay? These are the three things, and this, these are the things that will set the stage of what I'm going to be talking about today. First, we need to know that this is who God is. We need to know that this is who God says, I am. Therefore, as a church, now we have an opportunity to respond in the same way. And how are we going to do that? That's what we're going to get into today. God doesn't expect us to figure things out on our own. In fact, he knows that we actually can't. But so much of our pride and our fear keeps us from looking to God for help. What David understands when David wrote this Psalms is that he understood that his life is not his own to live, but that his life is to live out with God. 
David knew that there was a lot of things that he doesn't understand, things that he cannot control, but he believed that God is my creator and my father, that he is sovereign over all things. And because I know that, and that I trust that, that when I go through trials and tribulations, I could come to our God. We live in a culture that teaches us that we need to fix our own things. That we need to get ourselves out of trouble. That if you get yourself into it, you need to get yourself out of it. We're afraid to ask for help or we feel that we can't. But this is exactly what God wants us to do. God wants us to actually go to him for help. Go to him for safety. Go to him for strength. And to go to him for, to, to find our, our refuge. This is exactly the reason why his son Jesus Christ came on this earth. It is to bring refuge. Before we were all saved, we were all, in a sense, refugees. No place to call home. What Jesus did on the cross was a reconciliation of you to your creator is bringing you back to a place of salvation, of safety. And that's where that aspect of refuge comes from. We find it in Jesus Christ. We find it in the fact that he died for our sins. The reason why we struggle with our faith is because we don't know how to draw into this place of who God is for us. We struggle to go deep with God. And when we come, through our, when we come to trials... We fail to run to the right place. God wants us to come to him when we're in in, in trouble. Actually, when we're in trouble and we run to God, it's an act of worship. How is it an act of worship? When we run to God, when we're in trouble, we're saying, I fully trust in who you are. It is saying that I need you first. It is saying that I love you so much that I surrender everything to you. It is saying that I need you, Lord, more than anything else in my life. God wants us to live life with us this way, and he wants us to run to him first. So when we're able to come to that place of running to God first, in so many ways, it teaches us and reveals to us what is our first place of worship. What is our first love? What is, what is, what is my heart go to when I need something, when I'm in trouble? God is saying, come to me. This is his heart. When we begin to live this out, the outflow of this lifestyle begins to be reflected in the church and how the church is to be an example of this. In the first three centuries of the early church, Christians were the most persecuted religious group. First three centuries, that's 300 years. Because of what the church believed. What the church believed was too exclusive in so many ways. It was too narrow and it was a threat to the social order. The early church was in some ways a social project. One that contrasts community and was countercultural to it was countercultural to what was, what, what was accepted in the time, and it was both offensive to the culture of the time, yet attractive at the same time. One of the things that made Christians distinct 
back then was that people often identified themselves not by their ethnic or national identity, because back then, your ethnic and nationality actually dictated what religion you were actually part of. But what separated Christianity from that is that Christianity replaced people's identity and nationality for both their ethnic and nationality, but yet at the same time, it didn't wipe out their race or their nationality. This was way too radical for that time. It was a threat to the Roman government. And so because of that, the early church was constantly persecuted. What do we see in the early church? First, one of the things that was very unique was that the church was multiracial. That the church was extremely diverse. That the church was able to, to, to bridge tribal wars that have existed for thousands of years. We see this in the church of Antioch in Acts 13, that Acts, the church of Antioch was a multiracial um, congregation and promoted unity across ethnic boundaries. Its main focus of the church was on forgiveness and reconciliation because this is ironic because at that time, they promoted forgiveness and reconciliation, but they were living in a culture where it was where it was uh, an eye-for-an-eye type, type culture, where there was this idea of blood revenge. You guys know what that is? Blood revenge is that if you murder somebody in my family, I am going to take revenge for that, and that is the justice system, that I could come after you and murder you because you murdered one of my family members. That was justice. You didn't get charged for murder for that. That's called blood revenge. It's an eye for an eye idea. And the church did not live that out. The church actually promoted forgiveness and reconciliation. So that was completely countercultural to what people, people expected and what people knew. This, in the shame and honor culture, which vengeance was norm and expected, the church stood above that and promoted forgiveness. This is ironic because the church was also the most persecuted group that was out there. The church was the pe- were, were, were the people that were being executed, that they were being thrown in prison, that they were the ones that were being hunted down and murdered. But the church knew that this was who we are. This is what Jesus wanted us to do. But the church was also famous for its hospitality to the poor and those that were suffering. This was a way for them to care for the outcast, the poor, the sick, the ones that were cast out due to lifestyle choices. All of these ways, the church was a place of refuge. The idea of refuge is not new. It's not a New Testament idea. The place of refuge is actually an Old Testament idea. As the Israelites were, were set out and as Moses started to, take the, to, to set the Israelites free, God instructed Moses to set aside six cities of refuge. As Israel became a, a nation, there were six cities that were run by the Levites, 
So the Levites is one of the tribes of Israel, and they were the, 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 the tribe that took over and watched over the temple and, and took over the priestly duties, and they were also the judges, they were also the teachers. These are, this is the Levite tribe. They're the people with no land, and they were given these six cities of refuge to take care of. But these six cities of refuge were a place for when you accidentally killed someone, so unintentional murder of someone, Remember, this is a culture where if you kill one of my people, I'm going to come after you and kill you. You could actually run to a city of refuge to find asylum, okay, to find safety and wait for a fair trial. And so you would run to one of these cities, and these six cities were strategically placed around Israel, and they were close to major centers, and they were both on the east and the west, and north and south. It just covered the, it just covered the biggest range that it could cover, so that people could run to these places and say, this was an accident, this was unintentional, and I want a fair trial. And so that they weren't actually being hunted and killed. And so they would come into these places of refuge. And this is actually the same idea that as the church established itself into the New Testament, the early church adopted that and said that our places, our homes are going to be a place of refuge for people. That churches be, became places of refuge. It was no longer existed just in the city, but in, in, in the homes of people where they, they're like, this is our church. We're going to protect you. This adoption became the norm. As Constantine institutionalized the church, the church began to, to, to be a place of sanctuary for people. Now, for some of us that like to, the history aspect, there is place, there, there was a time where people used to be able to run into a church and claim sanctuary. And they claimed sanctuary as a place of safety. So whatever they were getting chased down by, that they could actually run into a church and say, and and, and declare sanctuary. And nobody was actually allowed to get to them until the priest or the person that that was running the church released them. And oftentimes that gave the, the priest the authority to actually be the judge for that moment and say, am I gonna give you safety or am I gonna release you to the authorities? Oftentimes, people that came into the church for, for sanctuary are refugees. People that have no places to call home. People that, were, that are displaced, people that were, um, because of various reasons, were being hunted down. And oftentimes, these are the people that came to claim sanctuary. It was until the 1600s, really, that this is actually a thing for the church and that the church was able to, to, to hold back authority and hold back government, hold back everything until they said, okay, I believe that this person actually does need justice or I believe that this person needs a fair trial and therefore we're going to stand in that place to help them get the fairness that they're actually seeking for. But until the 1600s, the church was that place of safety. And then after the 1600s, things kind of blew apart again. And the authorities and the government said, nope, this isn't happening anymore. People can't just run to churches to hide from, from what we're doing. So all of these things don't, are, are not allowed anymore. There are still places where we have seen this aspect of sanctuary happen. Even here in Canada, there, there has been examples of that. 
in Quebec, um, there was a, a man that was, that was getting deported. He ran into a church in Montreal and, and declared sanctuary. And he actually stayed there for a very, very long time. And the priest of that church said, I'm going to keep him safe. I'm going to keep him here. Because his life, if you deport him, is going, to, is going to end. You send him back home, and that's it. He's dead. He's going to be executed. And so I have the responsibility to keep him here in Canada. And so I'm keeping here, him here in my church. It caused an uproar in Canada. Canada didn't know what to do with that. Because we didn't have anything in place where it was just like, can we actually bust into this church and just grab this guy? It actually ended up, that's actually what ended up happening. But it was that, it was that place where there's these old traditions where authorities actually didn't know what to do with it. Canada actually has no laws for that. It has nothing in terms of protection for the church to be able to do that. But because this guy declared sanctuary, there was a tradition of that. People didn't know what to do with him. So there's a bonus there somehow. Like as, as a church, we actually, in tradition, we take on some things that actually are able to help people. But one of the things that, that, that as a church, that when we see what the early church did, it gives us an example of what we are supposed to do as a church. You see, we're supposed to be a place of refuge for people. Yet the church has caused so much displacement of people. A thousand years after the church was institutionalized, the church in the medieval times began what was called the Christian Crusades. These Christian crusades were going to war in the name of God. They went and they slaughtered people, slaughtered villages in the name of, of, of Jesus. They said that we're fighting a righteous war, we're fighting a holy war, we're, we're, we're trying to take out what doesn't belong, we're trying to claim back our land. But what did it do? It displaced thousands and thousands of people that the church is also responsible for creating this aspect of the church is not a safe place. That we sit in a place where, as a church, we should be a place of refuge, but we're causing the refugees that are out there. So what is the church supposed to do? I believe the church has a responsibility to reconcile what, is, what we've done wrong. I believe the church has a responsibility to say, yes, the church has failed in this area, but now we're going to try to do better. This aspect of Christian crusade wasn't just set for medieval times. So much of what happened in the medieval times saturated into the theology of the church. And therefore, as a church, we actually function in a way where we're constantly fighting in the name of Jesus, but in that place that we fight for where we actually push more people out of the church than we actually bring people into the church. The early church was a movement, a movement of people that, and it grew because of the fact of what the church did. It wasn't just a message that they preached, but the, the actions that they lived out. The church was a place where people were accepted no matter who they were. The church was a place that if you were in trouble, you could go to. That if your family kicked you out, that you could go to the church and find a new family. That if you were being hunted down 
or you were outcasted because you were widowed, or if you were an orphan, that the church took you in. That's what the church's role is. But yet today we see the church actually, instead of taking in orphans, creating orphans. This is not the church that Jesus has set. The church that Jesus has set, it says that I am your refuge, I am your strength, and I am your help. That's the church that Jesus set. That's the church that Jesus wants to see. That's the church that Jesus wants to, to, to establish here on earth. The ministry of the church is about reconciliation because Jesus is about reconciliation. That when Jesus died for our salvation, that was to reconcile our broken relationship between us and God. That salvation is our refuge. That we are saved and that we are safe because of what Jesus did on the cross. Imagine a place where people could experience God's love and kindness. Imagine a place where people could come just as they are, completely broken and say, God, be my safety, be my strength, be my help. Imagine a place where people can get restored and their lives given back to them. Wouldn't that be a great place? That is the church. That is what Jesus came to establish. Jesus created this church not just to preach, not just for great music, but Jesus created the church so that the good news of the gospel is reaching down to touch people's lives. That's how the church will grow. We focus on our programs too much. We focus on our appearance and our aesthetics too much. But what we need to focus are the ministry of the sick, to the poor, to the orphans, to the widows, to the disenfranchised, to the ones that were ostracized by the city. That's what we need to be. We need to be a place where we welcome people to come and encounter Jesus. We need to be a, a, a place where people could come. People where nobody else wants. Nobody wants to help. That when they come here, that they are able to find that help. That they're able to find that community. That they're able to find acceptance. Not by us, because we're flawed. We're people. But that we live out the ministry of Jesus Christ in the, the, the heart of God. Imagine our church being filled with these people. Would that be uncomfortable for you? A hundred percent, yes. It will be uncomfortable. It'll be extremely radical. But that's what Jesus wanted us to do. That's what Jesus called us to do. That's what Jesus called out to all of humanity, come to me. That's what this church needs to be. That's what Five Stones needs to be. Five Stones needs to be a place where people could come just as they are. And as they come in through these doors, that there is no judgment and no condemnation. Because Jesus is not going to judge them or condemn them. Jesus is going to pour out his love and give them his righteousness. That's what Jesus is going to do. That's what we as a church are supposed to do. When we are able to learn that God is our refuge, that God becomes the first thing that we run to, we begin to learn a deeper sense of what it means that God is our joy. Because when you are fearful and when you're in trouble, 
and you're able to run to Jesus, then when you are in joy, you'll know where that, where that joy comes from. That you're able to live out your life with God in peace because you know that everything that you have to go through, that you don't want to go through, that God got you through that. Church, I know that what I'm saying here is different. I know that what I'm saying here and what I'm asking you to do is radical. I know that it is uncomfortable. I know that. It's uncomfortable for me too. But I also know that because God says that I am your refuge, that I am your strength, and that I am your help, that we need to represent that. That as a church, we need to hold on to that. As a church, that we need to represent that. And so my challenge to you today is to imagine a place where you can bring people that are hurting, people that are ostracized, people that are, are overlooked, people that are, are, are cast out, here where they will feel safe, where they will be accepted, and where they get to encounter the power of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father God, we just thank you, Lord, that you are a God that loves us, that you are a God that brings hope in places that are hopeless. Father God, we just ask that you come and challenge our spirit and challenge our hearts. Sometimes we just need that to, to go to that place of, I don't feel comfortable. But Lord, I know you are God and I know that you're sovereign. So Father God, we just pray that you put into our hearts just what your will and your heart is. Break our heart for what breaks yours. Teach us to love the way that you love. And may we be the church that reveals your glory, reveals your power, reveals your heart. And that we bring people into a place of your refuge, of your salvation through your son, Jesus Christ. Lord, this is our call as a church. May we be faithful to walk this out and to be stewards of your gospel. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. I want you to go home and just think about how God has taken you through times of trouble, through times of tribulation. Reflect back on some of those times to actually see the faithfulness of God in your lives. But not only what God has taking you through what God will take you through but at the same time how do we allow people that don't know God experience what I've gone through I believe that there is always a time that whatever trouble that we go through whatever tribulation we go to through God uses so that you could help others to go through the same thing Because you already see the glory of God. And now that you behold that, your responsibility to go and show that to others. My wife just recently had an experience of that where 
some friends of our actually members of our church is going through a legal battle with their land landlord and it's been really tough it's been really hard and and Steph is just like actually I know exactly what that feels like I had to go through a legal battle with my landlords and and it was hard it was stressful I was strained she's like I I it's actually when she actually first started coming to the church again and how Steph and I actually got connected again but she's like I want to encourage you in this time. I want to teach you kind of what God brought me through, how God strengthened me, and I want to strengthen you in, in the same way. And so, so often when we go through some of these things, it's for us to be an example in the church to go and help others as well. Imagine a place where people come to Five Stones for help. Imagine a place where people come to Five Stones for refuge. Not because of who we are, but because of what God has done in our lives. Wouldn't that be incredible? Pray for an opportunity this week that you get to impact someone's life in that same way. Father God, we just bless this church bless this congregation to go and do your ministry and to behold your glory to turn orphans back to their father so lord we thank you and pray all this in jesus name amen